Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this special Lost Interview edition of Black Hole Cinema, hosted by me, Tony Black. Last summer, when the podcast came to a brief halt for about six months, I realized there were several interviews I did with friends and colleagues online that hadn't actually been released. So instead of them sitting on my hard drive, I thought, why not release them in between the new podcasts we're doing for however long they go on for and give those really interesting interviews about certain films light of day. So over the next few weeks, we're going to have several different interviews from several different people about several different, more than likely quite classic films. So without further ado, welcome to The Lost Interviews. All right, welcome back, guys. It's time again for that favourite part of the podcast where I get a friend on and they talk about their favourite movie. Now, I'm cheating slightly with this one, okay, because I'm getting back a guest I had on before to talk about another favourite film of theirs. And I haven't done this before, but when we recorded the first one, we decided that there were two films that he wanted to talk about. And we thought, hell, why not? Who's, who's, who's judging us? You know, who's judging the rules for this? Airwave so let's, Rebels. Airwave Rebels, Rebels, right? So let's do it again. So I'm delighted to welcome back uh, my good friend, uh, Mr. Adam Massingham. Hello again, Adam. Hello again. And it must be weird for him because he's just recorded one you heard before. Yeah, about two minutes ago. About two minutes ago. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he's got a second favourite film that is just too much of a good one, I think, to not discuss today. So he's back for your pleasure, especially the ladies. And so, what is what is the other favourite film you're going to talk about, Adam? Right, this one is a classic from 1984. It's a Nightmare on Elm Street Part 1. The kids of Elm Street don't know it yet, but something is coming to get them. There's something out there, isn't there? <laughs> <laughs> You could just see cuts happening. What is that, Lieutenant? I don't know. Tina! There's a coroner got to say. He's in the John puking since he saw it. They're gonna kill me for sure. Did you do it? There was somebody else there. He was locked in a room with a girl who went in alive and came out in a rubber bag. No one knows where it came from or who it will visit next. Nancy? There's something wrong with you. You're imagining things. Nightmare on Elm Street. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. Classic, iconic horror. Yeah, yeah. Um, I first saw this film, well, I, I picked this film because obviously horror is, well, not obviously, horror is my favourite <laughs> genre. <laughs> obviously to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Horror is my favourite genre and um, I this is the film that kind of got 
I watched it when I was about 11 and I remember just sitting there in the dark and yeah, I'd never seen anything like this film before. Um, I actually couldn't even get all the way through it. I kind of got halfway through it and then I, I couldn't watch any more because it's frankly terrifying, especially when you're 11. Um, yeah. <laughs> but um, I think the reason I love horror is because it makes you feel that way. You, you get more of a, for me, I get more of a feeling from watching a horror than I do from watching a bunch of explosions at the cinema, which you forget about half an hour later. Well, you're a massive, massive horror fan, aren't you? Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's, it's the first genre that you go to. You know, for, musically, you're a massive metal guy, but yeah. in terms of film... You're a massive horror guy, aren't oh, you? Oh, exactly, you? exactly. I, lo- I love that that kind of, you know, you, you feel something and it stays with you when you watch a horror. Mm. You can go and watch, say, I don't know, Transformers. Yeah. Um, and you just, you're like, at the time, you're like, oh, I wonder what I thought of an explosion. You come out half an hour late, you forgot what happened. Yeah. Um, this one is, uh, I picked this one because it, it, it stayed with me and it still stays with me now in, in many ways. And basically, just to kind of explain what it's about, um, if you haven't seen it, and <laughs> yeah, good good question. <laughs> Basically, it's set, as the title says, on Elm Street. And these um, kids who live in Elm Street, they're, they're having dreams. They're all, all basically the same. They involve the same person, which is kind of this um, man with this kind of burnt face. Um, he's got a, a green and red striped sweater on, a hat. And most importantly, he's got this cl- claw for a hand. It's like a, it's like a glove. Uh, with blades on and all these kids in Elm Street they're having the same dream or nightmare and um, obviously this is something that's obviously very disturbing you know the parents aren't listening to them uh, they don't know what to do about it and it basically it centres around um, the main character of Na- Nancy who she's probably like the smart one there's always a smart one yeah um, and uh, sh- she's the one who seems to be uh, most affected and as the film goes on you know, the dreams become more and more horrific. Um, murders, people getting murdered in, in their nightmares. Um, and obviously the kids, they try and try and band together, led by Nancy, to try and find out why and, and what happens. And the more the film goes on, the kind of, you, you find out more about the origins of the character. Mm. And it's, it's one of those films that's been quite seminal for horror, hasn't it, in terms of the fact that it really... It took a lot of the established horror tropes and things from the seventies before then, when we when we were starting to get a lot more of the, you know, um, exploitation kind of horror films, and it kind of advanced them to create, I suppose, the first kind of slasher film, really, isn't yeah, it? With, the, with the teenagers, yeah, with teenagers in peril and you know facing the burgeoning sexuality of teenage life and and, and everything like that. So it kind of brought it all together, didn't it? Uh, yeah, I think the thing that um, we'd already had. Halloween at yeah. this point, the first couple of Halloweens. Um, Halloween 1 was 1980, I think, and, and then the sequels pretty soon after that. Same with Friday the 13th, that was 1983. Yeah. Um, this was 1984, and I think um, due to the massive success of Halloween, there was, as you can imagine, like, all these kind of bad like, rip-offs of not just the sequels themselves, but other films coming out mm. s- with, with similar characters, same sort of characters. I think with Nightmare on Elm Street, it brought the uh, the character of Freddy Krueger, who's, mm. who's the guy with the with the um, glove with the blades. Yeah, uh, it, it brought a whole new spin on it because Michael Myers and and um, from Halloween and, and Jason Voorhees from Friday the Thirteenth, 
um, even though they come across as like immortal characters. I mean, the, I think the thing that makes Freddy Krueger so scary is um, in this film is he becomes too many nightmares. You're powerless to stop. He's he's like mm. a, an evil spirit yeah. that can just invade your your nightmares, and it's like you know this is what makes it even scary because you know as, as we all know it's something that everyone has discussed at some point about what the dreams mean, what the nightmares yeah. mean. So it goes into that. So it's, it makes it quite thought provoking in a way because you're like, wow, what what, what does happen? You know, in, yeah. in, on the other side, you know, in our nightmares, you know, and can we, you know, can we bring what happens in our dreams and nightmares out into reality, um, which is something that's played within the film. There's some really good images um, during the nightmares, um, things that happen where in, in kind of reality in the nightmare world and that realm gets kind of blurred a bit. Mm. But it's never to the point where it's confusing as well. I think this is why Wes Craven's known as one of the best horror yeah. directors. Even though you see a bit of surreal kind of blurring of, of the nightmare world and the real world, it never gets to the point where it's just oh what's going on here. Mm. You're just like it's 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 actually t- it makes it genuinely terrifying. And yeah. Whenever you see Freddy, you are very some of the deaths are very scary. Um, in particularly the first proper death of uh, one of the characters, Tina, who's sleeping with her boyfriend that night, just gets waken woken up. Uh, she's in, she's having a nightmare. Um, she gets chased by Freddy, hunted down by Freddy, and you see all, all the her trying to. Um, push off this inf- what we can't see in, in the outside world uh, her, her boyfriend is there distressed he can't do anything um, yeah, and you just see her basically get ripped to shreds in and in, in, um, carried around her room by this invisible force mm. and before she just crashes onto the bed in a massive pool of blood and it's just it's, it's generally when, when you're 11 years old to watch that it was pretty uh, terrifying oh, yeah. even now when I watched it recently I was still like wow this is still effective even now do you think this was the formative film for you then in terms of horror? Was it Was it really, I mean, you say, you know, you're 11 years old. Far too young, really, to be watching it anyway. But like like all 10-year, 11-year-olds, yeah. you do. I mean, I, I remember the one that got me in that way was Child's Play at that age. That yeah. scared the crap out of me. But you do watch them when, you, when you're a kid, obviously. You know, you hunt these things out. Do you think that, that Nightmare on Elm Street is the major... You know, reason that you are such a big horror junkie now, oh, or one of the main yeah. reasons. Oh, de- definitely, definitely. I think that that was the film because for me, it's kind of confusing when I speak to people about horror, and um, I say how much I love horror, and um, they say they don't get horror, you know, and they, they go and watch all these kind of like minus action films. But I always think, well, don't we want to come away from a film kind of like feeling like like you've actually mm. watched something? In kind of staying with you and it's yeah gonna, it's gonna make you think and it's gonna you know you know just be there and, and you know just have have an effect whether it's positive or negative mm. i still like i like to watch a film and come out of it kind of thinking and kind of like and i think that's what that did for me because it got me thinking about the nightmare scenario mm. more about that and that kind of yeah that that kind of led me other films i watched when i was i was that age um, I enjoyed like, I had a bit of a martial arts phase and yeah. action thriller phase but none of them affected me in the same way Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom like Evan who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds Salads generally for most people are the easy button right? For me that wasn't an option I never really was a salad guy that's just not who I am but Noom worked for me Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. 
real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. just a perfect horror movie as well the music it's great um like robert england who played the character freddy krueger he's mm. amazing in it you know because not only is he evil just pure evil he's also got this black comic style to it yeah. as well like he doesn't the what the one-liners from um about the third film onwards get more and more ridiculous and it's almost like a comedy you know at points but in the first film He's got a really perfect balance of being really menacing um, and just plain evil, but also with this slight dark humour. But you never have fun with it at the same time. It's just more scary than mm. anything. So I think that that as well played a part in... It's just a whole package, really. It's pretty much like the perfect horror film. Even, I'd say the only down point may be a few of the effects that they use towards the end, being mid-80s, a bit dodgy maybe, but it's still still a terrifying film. But I mean, you can you can still have a film that has aged to an extent yeah. and doesn't necessarily have the up to date effects and still scares. If anything, I tend to think that sometimes films that are a little bit more dated are are, are scarier or are more yeah. chilling because you know you quite often find that people try and throw in too much you know at the um, at, at you nowadays because they've got the technology to do it wow. then then actually in the old days they didn't have that and it made it feel more real maybe you yeah know? I think I think yeah that's a good point because I think um, I, the, something that sprung to mind was the uh, when you just said that was the, the remake of Nightmare on Elm Street which I was going to mention but yeah 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 um, mm. I think the problem with it was firstly um, they'd gone too overboard on the makeup in the remake mm. he, he's, he hasn't got a face I mean the thing is uh, Robert England you know, you see his features, although he's heavily burned, you, you can see he's still got facial yeah. features in the remake. He hasn't, so it's hard to just even not care. I don't know the word I'm looking for, but you know, you know, when you're looking at a killer, you know, it's sort of like in the in the in the uh, remake, yeah, he just it's, it looks like he hasn't got a face, and it's just sort of has no effect. And they also try, as one point, I think they try and almost make him sympathetic, mm. like, oh, you know, he's a, you know, well, you find out later on that he was actually a child killer like later on in the film and how do you how do you possibly sympathise with a child murderer yeah exactly. I mean 
Exactly. So I think they, they try and do some sort of story. I think they try to emphasise his background a bit. Yeah. To, probably not to sympathise with him, but just to understand him. Yeah. But it, it can't help but I think they try too hard to do that. But that's um, the other point as well, is that why do we need to understand him? Yeah. Why, why can't he just be this sadistic evil force yeah, exactly. that, is pl- that is preying on, on terror and on nightmares and on fear? And, you know, that, that's become a problem with a lot of films these days in that we, you know, we try and almost three-dimensionalise a villain that we don't necessarily have to, you know, do that with. And yeah. Freddy Krueger isn't the kind of villain you need to do that with. No, exactly. He's, he's as pure evil. I mean, you find out later on in the film the whole reason he, he is killing kids on Elm Street mm. is because when um, when he was alive he he was a, a yeah he was a child killer child molester and the parents all the, the grown ups in Elm Street got together tracked him down and then burnt him to death and he is now getting revenge for them for, by killing all their kids so that's scary enough as it is yeah you know you, you don't need to put all this extra things in about what, did, what, what was his job? You know, why? You know, what relationships did he have with with these people? And you know, what? And, you why know, did he do like, what he did? Yeah. Well, so I don't really care. You know, yeah. <laughs> but I think by this point, the thing with the, a good thing I liked about the whole like slasher boom and that of, of the of the eighties was mm. the fact that it was just you know as as kind of sadistic as it sounds, you just enjoyed watching people get you know you you, you liked going to see like the Friday the 13th films the Halloween films you're like, how's he going to kill him next yeah, you yeah. Know, what's he going to do you know what's he you know and as, as Freddie went on it's like what's funny what's funny, what's funny line is he going to come up with now and but it makes them like that. it, that's the point though it makes them you know it, it, it makes them scary but it makes them less of a threat in a way because yeah. you know that they're larger than life kind of you know characters in a way aren't they you know, they're scary and they tap into fears, but they're not the kind of people that are going to turn up on your doorstep. And that's, <laughs> that's, that's the whole point. Well, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that's the whole point. That's why it goes back to what we talked about in the last, in the last favourite film you chose, about people getting the wrong impression of, of certain things that they might blame for people's behaviour. You know, horror films have been blamed a lot, haven't they, for yeah, exactly, people yeah. going out and killing people and things like that. And, you know... A Nightmare on Elm Street isn't going to make you go and, and kill a load of kids, no. you know, hopefully, again. But it shouldn't do. But it's the whole thing of, you know, it, it's a primal fear and a primal kind of pleasure almost for people to be fr- afraid. And it's it's one of those things where that's why horror is so successful. Because you there is nothing quite like that feeling of watching something play before your eyes, being terrified, but knowing that it's not happening to you. Yeah, definitely. Definitely, I think I think that's uh, yeah, that's a really good point actually. Uh, I think that's why all the sequels did well. Like people watch them now and just go, "Oh, they're, they're stupid," but mm. that's kind of the point in a way. Mm. I think that what makes Nightmare on Elm Street, um, the first one, so different from the I mean, two was pretty much a, a disaster, mm. and uh, three just added the um, it had a good mix actually. The third one of the comical and the horror elements, but mm. then it just got more and more. Like almost comedy based as it went on. Yeah. By mixing the horror and the comedy, well, I think with the first one, it's just it's pure terror. Yeah. You know, and I think that's what sets it apart. You know, probably not not just from the rest of the Elm Street series, but you know, just out of majority of horrors that came out in the eighties. Mm. You know, um, just like the first Halloween, obviously the first couple of Halloweens. You know, um, 
Texas Chainsaw Massacre, though, which is a massive favourite of mine. Because that came out in the mid seventies. Yeah. And recently, you've gone to like Wreck and um, mm. the Village Project. Mm. Paranormal Activity as well. Paranormal I put on activity. there, even though they're not they're not the same as you know these fan footage ones aren't the same as as Nightmare on Elm Street in that there's they're not you know it's more about what's suggested than what you you know what you see, what you yeah. see. but they 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 come from a similar place don't they of, oh, of terror I mean a paranormal activity in Blair which I mean I'm a big fan of fan footage when it's done well and they divide people in the sense of it's not scary whereas yeah. for me I buy into it and I think that's another thing with horror you've got to want to buy into it yeah. you know and that's why some people go oh it's not it's not scary and because they 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 won't let themselves become engaged with it and let themselves be afraid and I don't think there's anything wrong with that letting yourself be afraid by a film oh, definitely I think that's that's what puts a lot of people off you know it's more terrifying than the Halloweens and the Friday the 13th um, and it was also thought provoking um, generally scary you know scary kind of bad guy villain and yeah it's just one of them films where there's pretty much everything about it just in the, in the, in the horror world is Perfect, really. Well, that pretty much sums it up. I think the reason yeah. to to go and watch it, I was going to ask you why, but I think you've you've pretty much summed <laughs> yeah. it up there, really, yeah. in that it's a perfect, you know, horror film in that it balances all the elements that make something scary. So that's brilliant. I, I haven't watched it in quite a while myself, actually, and I haven't seen all the sequels, so I, I'm gonna I'm gonna hunt that down. Um, one last thing, though, do do people watch or avoid the remake? I'd say I think with the remake. I'd say avoid it. It's, it had elements that were okay, like like I said earlier about the effects. Mm. Um, obviously, the effects are better. So mm. I think the, the the way the film the remake ends is better than the way the original possibly mm. ends. Because yeah, it's a bit ridiculous at the end of the first one mm. without giving anything. <laughs> yeah, and there's one or two bits where I suppose because of budget etc. Things look look a bit better, but if you're a massive hardcore Nightmare on Elm Street fan, yeah, um, and understand everything that I've just been talking about, then yeah, I'd, I'd, pr- I'd probably go more on the uh, avoid side, the avoid than would, side, than I would um, bothering. That doesn't yeah. surprise me, especially <laughs> yeah. given it was produced by Michael Bay, which is as good a reason as I any to wouldn't. to avoid that. Yeah, I didn't even know that. Well, there you go. I was going, no, it's no. <laughs> no, I didn't even know. If I knew it was good, no. If I knew it was Bay. <laughs> <laughs> if it's Bay, stay away. Yeah, yeah. it's a great, yeah, if it's based out, I'm going to get a tattoo of that. Oh, probably a t-shirt, Tony's probably a bit of a, yeah. a bit much, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. it's based, no way. But yeah, now, now I've heard that, yeah, avoid the remake. Okay, brilliant. Well, thanks, thanks for helping scare us today, Adam. Oh, that's no, no problem, I'm happy to scare any time. Does that sound really sinister? A little bit worried. <laughs> <laughs> He's happy to scare you at any time. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> From Wes Craven, director of The Hills Have Eyes and Last House on the Left, a new masterpiece in fantasy terror, Nightmare on Elm Street. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.